Good evening. Good evening, brother. How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you on this day? Hey, I'm good, man. I'm sorry that we uh we couldn't connect last week, man, but I'm glad we're back here to do it again. Yeah, man, as long as we're able to get together, uh, we're going to appreciate the times that we are able to get together. Definitely, definitely, especially, you know, in these crazy times we got with everything that people are dealing with, man, it's just important to set that time aside. And I at least know every day, at least once a week, we're going to talk and have a good conversation. So it helps. Of course. Uh, how are you doing, though, man? What's going on? What's new with you? Man, to just to put it in short, it's been a lot this week, you know, uh, with what I do. I work in education and we're getting ready for, you know, students to return. And as you, you know, as you guys have seen and you've seen on social, you know, this is a pretty stressful time for everybody trying to make sure that we're not only protecting the lives of the children, but the adults there, too. So, you know, there's just been a little bit of anxiety, making sure that I've been taking the right precautions to protect myself and my family. And also make sure that I'm prepared for the students and to meet them. Same here, man. Um, I'm not an educator, but I have children um, who are going to be going back to school. So um, between high stress and just not a lot of information, a lot, not a lot of things to actually understand, it's been a real interesting week. Um, so I'm glad to have this time to, you know, dig into some things that's, that I've been thinking about uh, over some time. Uh, for myself and just to get some opinions because opinions from you for somebody who is who is with someone and headed down the path of you know getting married I just wanted to talk about the state of the state of dating and the state of like being a man in a relationship in today's time you know I think that's a, a super important topic and it's one I've been giving a lot of thought to lately because, you know, quarantine, you know, this has just forced, you know, the dynamics of my relationship to evolve a lot. You know, I find myself, you know, emulating the role that I want to have being a husband as far as just trying to step up to make sure her needs are met emotionally and, you know, physically, financially. But then also trying to balance, you know, am I giving enough myself enough time? Am I allowing her the space to you know, do what she needs to do for herself. And so I think, man, I definitely think wherever you want to start with that, let's do that because that's an important topic. You know, it's it's a few things here uh, that I've been thinking about. So for me, I have I got married in 2012. Um, so eight, eight years married and a lot of ups and downs, or let me say a lot of, a lot of growing, yes. um, a lot more ups, you know, but definitely downs. But what I wanted to definitely understand is for, for how is it trying to balance your own personal life, your feelings, your thoughts, and also trying to incorporate someone else's. And I'm asking that because I'm 32 now, I was 23 when I got married, turning 24. And I remember a time where I was so focused on making sure I was doing right and making sure that I was, you know, complimenting my wife that I neglected all the things that I thought about myself unintentionally. And it, it stunted my growth, which then, of course, had, you know, a negative effect on our relationship. So as a, as a man in your position now who's wanting to be that, how how is it? How is it balancing you and balancing, 
you know, a relationship that you want to take to the next level? You know, I think um, <clears throat> I think one of the things that doesn't get acknowledged enough because of the, the hoopla that surrounded it was what Will Smith said in regards to his relationship with Jada. And I'm not going with the whole goals thing, but they just made a good point of it is her responsibility to make sure she's happy and my responsibility to make sure I'm happy. And what I've been trying to, you know, have conversations with myself about is, you know, make sure that you're not doing anything to make her unhappy and do what you can and make her happy. But I've been making it a thing of having more conversation with her and saying, look, you know, my job is to make you happier, not happy. And I need you to do what you need to do and find ways to, you know, if you're not happy, find ways to, to make up that difference because I can't be that, you know, and I say that just to say, I've been making it a point to be more vocal about things that bother me because I remember in the past, you know, there's a stigma in our community as black men. We always want to make it seem like, Hey, we're doing what we can to be uh, attentive and to be great, you know, future husbands or boyfriends. And so that was my thing. But now I'm more so like, I need to make sure that my needs as a person are more important than how I look to others or uh, image that I want to uphold. Like I'd rather be honest then uphold an image now, you know? So I've just been trying to have more conversations and be more vocal. And I think that is important in relationships. Um, And I'm going to say this last thing before I pass it back. I think frequently men are asked, are they doing the work? I think ladies have to ask themselves, are they doing the work too? And I say that to say, are you really taking time to ask yourself, how do you feel? Why do I feel this way? How do I solve this? And, Am I displacing or am I requiring someone to solve something that they cannot solve? Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I always wondered. I always wondered how people grow together and have great communication. And then I realized over time, sometimes you have to address things in yourself so that you can foster an environment that's great for the both of you. One thing that I believe I sh- that is troubling in our community is accountability. You know, if we, we both should be held accountable for what happens in our relationship. We're both participants in this relationship. And over the years, um, whether it's inside my marriage or just with peers around me, a lot of times I'll see, oh, it's the man. He needs to be more responsible. He needs to be this. And I'm and I agree with it. The part where the disconnect comes into play is, okay, if he is going to be this powerful or this responsible for most of, you know, everything that's going on, where do you play a part as my equal? Are you my equal or are you not my equal? And I don't know how, even even at this age and even at this many years in the relationship, I still struggle with seeing my wife take accountability for things not that I don't think she's capable or able but I don't think that she views hardships in our relationships as things that she can be accountable for I think she sees it as more as well this is kind of who we are at this point and we'll find a way to get through it but the work requires me to adjust and understand you know I think too often that is the case and it's not it's not us complaining when we say this, but I just think you have to really ask yourself in every situation, you know, both sides, what am I doing 
to prevent or what am I doing to allow a situation? And I think, you know, like I'll give an example. This week I was helping, you know, my fiance, she she bought some furniture from a store and it was like a, it was a good deal. It was on sale. It wasn't, you know, she got it from like a, the resource store for Habitat Humanity. And I was frustrated about having to, you know, help her pack it up and, you know, get it in. She was upset that I didn't put it in there the way she wanted. And what I told her, you know, what I've, what I've realized is it's not always a situation where I need to conform to what you view. Sometimes it may be a situation where you have to change how you view and it doesn't necessarily, I told her, you know, how you view things is how you view it. It doesn't mean that it's better or worse than mine. It's just how you view it. And sometimes you can change the whole dynamic by changing how you're viewing the situation. You know, because I said, if there's something that I'm not getting from you, I have to either change how I view it or ask you to address it. And if you're not going to change it, I have to address it. I have to, you know, change how I view it. And I say that just to say, you know, a lot of times it, it, it seems this way. And I'm going to use generalization because it's not in all women in all situations. But it seems that a lot of women are used to not having to be, they're usually not used to being at fault on a major level. They're usually are used to dating people who have serious work that they have not done. And so once you've met basic things for them, when it requires them to do some type of digging, that's going to force them to be accountable. It's like, I can't even compute this right now. You, you know, because the crux of our problems come down to, you know, how we're talked to or how much money we make. So when it's something outside of those realms of a problem, we don't usually do well with handling those because we don't, we're not used to confronting that. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times how we confront things is very important, right? So um, I hear a lot of times it's your tone. What I don't like about that is, you know, you can't dictate to me what I'm saying and how important what I'm saying just strictly off the tone of, of that you perceive. Um, now, I, I translate this to like what, what you just said about, you know, putting things inside the, the car with your fiance. You know, the big the a disconnect that me and my wife have in, inside communication and, and trying to make things work is, okay, you want things done, but you want it your way. I'm okay with them being your way as long as you do it. I don't want you to tell me how I have to do something for your approval. And yeah. and maybe maybe that's that's just the the way that I word it and maybe that's just a very black and white way that I word it, but I think in our community because the the value of a black woman is so high, it's so important that at some point it has gotten to a a space of because my value is so high that I think you should adjust to what I'm doing. And this is not all, but it's a generalization. Yeah. There was a there was a time where it was reversed, where you know maybe our grandfathers, the value of them being what they were in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Although I think the value was great for women and men at that time, but societal standards painted the man a certain way that maybe men behaved in a way that was, hey, you need to conform to me. So things go on a cycle. But I, I just I would really hope that we as black men can can identify that hey, it's okay for you to stand firm without being firm towards somebody. I don't have to conform, but I can also understand and that 
it took me some time to understand that. You know, in marriage, I, I think where I've been at, and I, I agree. I think where I've been at lately is I just <clears throat> I will not force myself. You know, I cannot force if something feels major to me. I can't stifle it anymore. You know what I was explaining to my fiance is like, hey, when you ask for help, you can't dictate how the help is going. You know, and then I said, unless you over communicate, <clears throat> you know, I always say to her, unless you over communicate what you want, then you can't be, you know, and I say that probably because I have the luxury of teaching kids. But if I ask somebody to help me move, unless I give them very explicit directions and tell them that it's fragile, they won't know, you know. And I mean, it would seem as if people should know, but a lot of times people are operating out of a sense of duty. They don't have the same closeness to that object as you do. So if you really care about something and you want it done a certain way, you're going to have to either be very explicit or you're going to have to do it yourself. And when other people do things for you, you have to understand that removes the control over the situation. You don't, you no longer are in control of how that looks. You know, when I, when I ask people to help me and I ask what I want from them, like if I ask somebody to help me, I no longer can control when they do it or to what extent that, that is no longer in my range of control. And I think because of how control has been in our community, we are seeing the, you know, the cyclical effects of that control now going back to, to women. And, you know, a lot of men feel pressure not to, you know, seem like they're aggressive or not listening to their spouses. But there's a fine line sometimes where I think you have to say, look, I respect you, but respect that I as a human and as an individual, I'm, I'm going to differ and have different thoughts to you. And it doesn't mean that I, my thoughts are wrong. It doesn't mean that I'm oppressive. It just means that I don't agree with your perception on this. You know, and we just have to learn to disagree and not look at each other as a bad person. You know? Yeah. You know, I, um, I was explaining to some peers about like how timing plays a big part in, in things. Right. So when I met, when I met Mandy, I, I met her online. Right. Like I, I said something yeah. crazy. We go back and forth. Uh, most people know the story. I've finally met her. And I think about today, right, the free-flowing aspect of what we were, whether it was right or wrong, it allowed us to see the individual and value that. And I say that because today it would be a think piece on how we met and how that is unproductive. Oh, my God. And, and I don't mind people having think pieces and people having an opportunity to voice their concerns about culture and different things like that but one thing that i one thing that i think is harmful is as as a black man i'm not allowed to have flaws and i'm never allowed to grow from them and this is not a woe is me because i'm not basing this on specifically black women or the world um or any particular one group what i'm saying is is that with my interactions with women I'm not going to get it right every time because it's a trial and error because each individual person is different from the previous one. Yes. And, and if I make an error, allow me to grow from it. You don't have to be the one to <clears throat> to move with me as I grow, but you you also don't have to be the one to keep me in that particular place. And I think I think it's just a really interesting time in today's world because we need each other as much as um, no disrespect to any other generation, but today 
we need each other more than ever because we have so many resources that each other can pull from. But if we hold each other, if we hold each other back just by a, a few mistakes that we have, that we may have made, I don't know if we're ever going to come together as a community. <clears throat> you know, what you said was a mouthful. I wanted to, to add to that. So this week I got uh, introduced to the audio book by uh, her name is Francesca Ramsey. And to people who may not be familiar with that name, she's a black woman who did the MTV Decoded show. And what she talks about is how she became an activist. And the reason why I like the book <clears throat> is because one of the things she mentioned is how we live in a time where you have a public record of a person not knowing something. And when you used to be able to say something, it was a flub, you were condemned for, you were able to grow from it, like you were saying, and we're not able to. But I also think you know, the problem, and I like one of the things I like that she addressed is just that we live in a culture of calling people out as opposed to calling people in. And, you know, calling out is, you know, in a lot of cases now become a thing for attention. It's become a, I want to get a platform. I want to showcase my intellectual prowess, how much I know that you don't know, what terms I know that you may not know. And I think people miss the purpose of what accountability looks like. There's nothing wrong with holding people accountable. You know, when I have, when I taught students and they didn't know something, it was my job to say, no, 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 that's not it, bro. That's not it, sis, but this is what it is. But it was also my job to say, but I understand you didn't know that. I understand you may not have thought of it that way. Here's a way to look at it. I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying, think about it this way. You know, and I think what we have to understand, you know, and I think part of that is, you know, a lot of black women, they felt like they had been screaming this for years and it wasn't heard. And I mean, that's a fair gripe. But I think we just misunderstand how much social media and Twitter has helped people learn about these things in the last five years. And we've got to be more gracious um, and allowing men and women to get to where we want them to be. And we have to understand, like she said, you never stop climbing. You, It's not like a master code, okay? I am completely politically correct. I understand every single issue. I have no biases. Everybody has some implicit things, some implicit biases. Everybody's operating out of a place of lack of ignorance or something. Nobody has it. The more that you keep browbeating people about what we don't know and where we at, the more it just shows what you really don't understand. You know, so I say that just to say we're in such a, like you said, we're in such a divisive time, man. We got a divisive president and you know, things are just happening right in front of our face. And if anything, we just have to get to a place where we say, look, we need to call things out when they're wrong, but we got to stop promoting intellectual superiority and we got to stop promoting these gender wars online, man. It's not helping us. You know, oh, uh, I definitely agree. And I want to make light of a situation, uh, not make light of a situation, but I just want to uh, uh, like a time from before. I remember in 2006, great times, right? I I remember everything was very old and everything was very interactive. And that was my first time being around. That was my first time being around so many proud black people right because I'm you know I grew up in New Jersey grew up in Atlanta very very black communities 
but it was a whole mixture of people. But when I went to Fort Valley, it was, it was just, it was just a bunch of great black people. And I, I wonder if the setting allows us to be like that, where we're so happy, so jovial, carefree before internet took off, because now today I feel like our, all of our, most of our interactions, even pre pandemic is such a social platform that we don't have those moments like just being on the yard or just being around people who are they may be different from you but you can still have a like a great time with them and 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 that's what i i want for that's what i want for black people is for us to have those moments again and in all of our int- and we don't need 60% of our interactions to be hey i'm educating you on where you are wrong I agree. You know, and I think part of that is, you know, social media just got rid of that, you know, that factor of we just having organic fun. Everything is orchestrated, you know, and I think I think the other part of it that is also unfortunate. And the reason why I say intellectual superiority is because, like, what you really realize is a lot of great movements weren't really successful because people knew a lot of things. They knew how to connect with people. They knew how to say, hey, you, this is who you are on a human level. I'm not trying to tell you who you are is fundamentally wrong. I'm saying to you, here's another way of looking at life. Because, you know, aside from some basic things like, you know, hate for a person, you know, is, is wrong on all levels. But there are a lot of arguments that we have that aren't really hate of another person. It's just rooted in a person seeing an issue from different perspectives, you know. And we spend a lot of time in our community for whatever reason wanting to use our platforms to do a lot of what we what we deem as education. But that's how I know the intent of it is not pure. Because if you really want to educate somebody, you know, like if you really want to have somebody know who Jesus is, you don't have to do certain things. You just go talk to that person. Or you don't even say anything. You let that person look at your life and they can see your actions and say, this is a person whose life is different than mine. What do they have that I don't have? And I say that to say... You know, I just I, I think the thing that frustrates me the most about it sometimes is that people literally allow a tweet, a post, a picture, a statement to shape their whole perspective of someone. You you know, if we if we took the moments, if we took the sound bites of our favorite entertainers and favorite uh, civil rights leaders, we use that to frame them for the rest of our lives. You know how many people we would have to just be like, nope. You know, and and. Unfortunately, that's what social media is doing too, man. We're taking sound bites, we're taking clips, we're taking select moments of a person's whole life and using that as the barometer for, you know. And before, you know, that time you're talking about when we first got to college, that wasn't just foreseeable, you know. And that's not to say we'll ever go back to that because we won't, but I just think we have to adjust our etiquette online. That goes for both sides, you know. It does. And, you know, I was speaking to my neighbor, man, um, good brother. You know, he has a good guy, has a wife, um, you know, children. We live across the street from each other. And we sometimes we sit outside, we talk. We was talking the other day for about three, four hours, and we were just communicating. And one thing he told me um, that he and his wife had talked about um, is the, like, the relationships between, like, a man and a woman and then a, a woman and her mother-in-law. And why it's so different between, and I and I know I'm switching gears a little bit, but I'll tie it all in, and the difference between like a a, a like a man and his father-in-law, 
Like we were always taught, like, oh, this is you're the man of the house. This is your house, and there can't be two kings in a castle. You know things like that. But in in reality, man, men are generally so nonchalant about things that don't that don't really move the needle because we know where it can escalate to. And we don't necessarily want to go there. And we were talking about how family interacts. And, you know, I'll just use my family, right? So my I live in Michigan. My family lives in back east or in Atlanta. My mother's in Atlanta. So when my father-in-law comes over, you know, I don't really care. It's like, hey, you're here. You can move around this house. You can use my kitchen. You could do everything. Like yeah. that. And it's I don't think anything. Shoot, let's work for me, right? Yes. Um, but if if it was the other way around, where let's say my mom was to come, not indictment against my wife, this is just how things go. There would be a little bit of a rule, right? Like this is maybe yeah. house. This is how she does things. Mom, you need to, you know, da 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 da. And um, I tie all this in to say, you know, outside of social media, there's there's a lot of things that people discuss and a lot of things that affect people, but those are relationship things, right? Those are things that, that are based upon your relationship with the person. But social media has turned us against each other for people that we don't even know. So yeah. we, we can't even bounce back after a confrontation, right? I, I say something on the internet. Now you confront me about it and you put me out about it. Fine, you're holding me accountable, but there's no recourse of of correction. It's almost like prison. It's like, hey, I put you in, and I don't want to sound dismissive about prison because I'm not in prison. But you you put somebody in a class and you never let them out of that, and it's because there's no relationship, right? My sister may say something to me that offends me or hurt me. But we have years of history of understanding each other. It's not a snapshot of a situation to where we can build off of that. And that's you know that's what we need to address on social media. The problem about that to tie into what you were saying, the fact that there's no relationship is based off the fact that, you know, the way social media is, it it removes the it's literally a person projecting his thoughts for a lot of people to see. And people, and the more people that can see it, like, you know, I saw someone the other day said, you know, why can't Twitter have an option for those friends? I was like, that would be a much more helpful dialogue for some tweets. Just, and I mean, I understand the other side of it, but on one side, if you say something that people who know you have context can, can understand, that helps. And, you know, I got on the wrong side of an argument, like I was telling you about, a, about, about a month and a half ago. And the thing that I hated about it was I felt like it was people who knew me or knew of me pretty well, who had had conversations with me and maybe not the most in depth, but I felt like those were, that was like a conversation where you could have followed it up with, let me holler at Sam and see how he feels about it. But instead it was this snapshot, this, however many characters describes how you feel. And I feel like I know you now by looking at this and it's never that black and white. And you know, I think the part that's just the, the most, I guess the part that's the most frustrating about it is you're not really eradicating any of the problems you're seeking to resolve. It's kind of like what people do with racism. When there are people who are racist and they say things that are that are inflammatory, sometimes they're saying it for a rise, but sometimes they're saying it out of ignorance. And how you treat it 
determines whether or not it's going to sprout up again. You know, what happens now is just people just find different places to hide and say the same things that are still inflammatory and they don't learn and they don't get anything from it because they just know not to say it. And I mean, what we're doing is we're creating a society where people just don't seek to understand. They don't seek to get context. They don't seek to, you know, understand where you're coming from. They just seek to condemn you and indict you. And, and when you really look at their lives and look at their situations, you realize that there are things that they're probably not proud of. They're just not sharing them. So they just make you seem like you're this type of person when the reality is, is nobody's a hundred percent good and nobody's a hundred percent bad, man. You know, if you look at a tweet or a Facebook status I'm making and that's your assumption of me, then, I mean, you're entitled to that. You just are missing the whole thing. I'm all about context, you know? I think about what you just said about people finding new ways to say what they're saying that's still inflammatory or people just not seeking to understand or not really talking at all. And I think about my grandfather, man. I, you know, I was I was nine when my grandfather passed. And... I've never really seen him talk to my grandmother, right? Like, I've never seen him hold a conversation with my grandmother. He would just be quiet. Now, the story is, is that, you know, my grandfather, hardworking man, did all he could to move his family out of one area and put them into a more affluent area, worked all his life, right? But I never saw him talk. But I can understand now being married where sometimes it's better to just keep quiet than to go down the road of you know disruptiveness and that's not an indictment against my grandmother or a married woman it's just I think sometimes men or and people all together sometimes just say you know what it's better left unsaid and I don't know how productive that's going to be going forward in our community because we need for people to understand each other and 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 see how the other person is feeling but the idea that you now identify who I am off of off of one thing that I said, it eliminates and eradicates any opportunity for growth, for availability, for friendship, for love, for respect, no. for value. All those things go out the window when you're only using something that that you disagree with. It's not just a snapshot. It's only the snapshot that you disagree with because there was a hundred things that you may have seen that I said that you agreed with. And I'm seeing that strongly now when I verbally do not support like a, a, you know, a political statement, right? Hey, I, I don't like, I don't agree with this person. Well, you must be, you know, the opposition. You must be a Republican because you don't agree with one this one thing. And it's like, well, it's possible that I'm just more than one thing in my life. And I can be that. You know, I think what's being lost is, like I always say, nuance, man. Like, people don't understand, man. I don't like Biden, per se. I don't. But I don't like Trump either. But that doesn't mean I'm going to vote Republican or vote independent just to not vote for the lesser of two evils. But that doesn't mean by me acknowledging that they're that they're not really both viable candidates. You know, it's it's a lot more nuanced than people want to admit. And one of the things that, you know, I hate about, like I said, that I hate or I strongly dislike is just that a person, like I said, a person can see one thing about you that they do not like. And and I'm going to go there because I think it's important. This is how I know we are just very good hypocrites, man. We will literally go into our buildings and our particular faiths 
and a stop. You know, we'll talk all day about the importance of forgiveness, the importance of grace, the importance of mercy. We'll talk about, you know, how God forgives us, how God grants us mercy, how he tells us that we should be like him. And literally, someone will say something we don't agree. And as opposed to understand where they come from, we would just automatically say there's something wrong with them. Like, how arrogant is that? To feel like you have the right perspective on everything, on every issue, on every issue, you have the right perspective. That's more than arrogance. It's it's also it's a it's an insecurity too. I think largely a lot of people who aren't willing to bend and aren't willing to understand the perspective of someone who's different from them is they're insecure because they they fear that someone may have something they don't have, which is either exposure, intelligence, or knowledge, in my opinion. Um, and we can't have that in our community. We, we just can't. We, we must have some form of, of unity on respect. We don't have to agree, but we have to be able to value and respect each other's differences. And, you know, there's, there's no one... There's no one mold to being a brother. There's no one mold to being a sister. And you you hit it on the head. Like, I don't necessarily have to say, hey, you don't have to say you love Biden to say you don't agree with Trump. Like, you you can not enjoy or appreciate both candidates and still understand that you're not a Trump fan. Right, it, it, that you you have to be able to understand that, and not to get too deep into politics, but I was expressing to my wife about how black households vote. I read an article, and I wish I could, you know, source it, but uh, just to briefly give a synopsis, black homes is like it's above ninety eight percent that we vote alike, husband and wife, and black homes vote together more than any other race. So you you see white couples who vote differently. A husband may vote this way, a wife may vote this way. And in, in other cultures, very similar too. But in people of color, and specifically black homes, we are united. But on social media, in, in conversations, even in, 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 private sec- in private spaces, you would think that we are far apart. And that's how I know that Again, just a little snippet of disagreement allows for so much uh, conversation, so much retort that it's it's just amazing at how far we can appear to be when we're not actually that way. You know, part of that that we keep playing into, we don't understand how. I think we do. We just don't care. We're literally choosing attention on social media over the truth. You know, the truth is that, you know, 80 to 90 percent of black men marry black women, especially within certain age range or certain money ranges. The truth is that black men vote in the interest of the black race a lot. The truth is that, you know, the truth is that there are more black men going to college than ever. There are less black men going to prison than before. It's there are a lot of things that are intentionally not being told to present this dynamic, you know, and like I tell people all the time. The thing that we don't want to admit on both sides, and I and some I tell some of my homies this, whatever you you see, a lot of times, what we don't see in other people is more a reflection of where we're at. You know, like a lot of times, you know, you you hear women say the things that they don't see in the men that they like. 
And a lot of times it's like the question is, what is it that you feel like you don't deserve that you're not going for? What is it that's stopping you from getting what you really want? And it's the same with men. And I, I say that to say a lot of times we want to be combative, men and women, more than we want to have a relationship. You know, some of my homies would be like, you know, I want this, this, this. Then they get it. But it's this, this, this way. Dog, you can't have it both ways. If you want a woman that's, you know, strong, then it's going to have, there's going to be things that come with it. She's going to have but on the other side of it, you can't say, hey, I want a healthy relationship, but I don't want this person to express dissent. You can't say that I want somebody that's strong, but they listen to it. They do everything I say. You can't say I want somebody who's going to lead, but not be willing to, to lead, you know, to follow at times. You can't say you want somebody who's going to follow you, but you're not willing to lead. It's It plays into both. And, you know, to finish up what I'm saying in short, a lot of times with these dynamics, Black men don't talk. Black men talk. Y'all don't know nothing. Stop talking. All right. We just gonna talk amongst ourselves. And then it'll be like, but y'all don't, you don't know what we talk about because we intentionally don't put you in those conversations because we talk to each other without a judgmental ear because every man understands how imperfect we are, how flawed we really all are. And we not too, we too busy trying to get to real meet of conversations than to do a conversation of who's morally right and who's less right. That's not our fight. You know what I'm saying? That's very real because no matter the conversation you and I have or me and another man have, I don't take it home to think that he's right or wrong or he's good or bad. It's I'm thinking he's talking so he can get better. That doesn't mean that it's going to be the way that I would do it. It just means that he's talking and expressing so he can get better or so that he can clear his mind. And and it's it's tough because it's not that I say that I leave women out of conversations. My wife jokes with me and say that we should have her on the podcast. And I say, you know, you don't you know, you're gonna have you're gonna have to throw some money at me, you know what I'm saying? You know, you gonna, yeah, you're gonna have to be an endorsement, you know, you tell your Mandy Angle. Yeah, you gonna have to either you know have your company throw some dollars at us or whatever, you know. So, uh, you know, it's not that you purposely want to leave a woman out of the conversation. It's just that sometimes in some spaces there is a conversation that needs to be had, not a narrative that needs to be made. And uh, and it's not that women create narratives. It's just that men and women sometimes have a disconnect on on yes. where the conversation needs to be held because me and my wife right now we're we're we can call it renovating our house right so yes my wife will tell me hey i think we should do this and i may have a different vision i'm here to support my wife's vision though because i value and trust that she's going to make it look good i know for sure my wife does not support and trust my vision because it contradicts hers so there's going to be a time where we have conversation where it's like, hey, you need to get to a point where you trust my vision and see if it works for you. She hasn't gotten there yet. But me understanding my wife and knowing that my wife has levels of um, the best way I could put this is, is that when things aren't comforting to her, it can create some form of discomfort that is deeper than just I don't like it. So therefore, so yeah. therefore, I don't need to give so much pushback on, oh, you like this color bookcase? That's fine. Because I can live with that. 
you know, I, I can understand that. But when I come talk to you, I can talk to you and be like, yeah, man, you know, these renovations, you know, da 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 and you know what I'm saying to devalue what I'm saying no no I understand and I say that just to say man you know there have been conversations we had where we've been on you know I've supported some views I'll look back and be like nah that wasn't it but as opposed to being like nah that ain't it you was like I see why you feel that way and I I respect how you feel I don't agree but I don't have time to be like, yo, man, you this type of person because I don't really know. I know it's deeper than that. You know what I'm saying? And and sometimes, you know, I say like in my situations, when I say how I feel, she's constructing a, a story of this. This view correlates to this type of person. And that's not always true. You know, exactly. And so, so sometimes I I don't want to have that conversation because I don't want to have to explain the views I hold can change and the views I hold don't reflect a total way of looking at one thing, you know? And so, and sometimes it's easier to have a conversation with your homie or your, your brother. I think it's, I think it's have these conversations and I'm glad that we got together tonight uh, because it's been on my mind uh, specifically about, you know, the dating aspect, the relationship aspect, the respect aspect. Um, in our community and as and as men like where we stand and how we should you know be able to talk and why we don't talk and there's a lot more room to dig into that so I definitely appreciate the time tonight I'm glad that we was able to get together and I know we missed last week but you know we're back at it and you know our lives are picking back up you know we have school coming back up so there's probably going to be a lot more things for us you know to discuss I want you to stay safe stay healthy you know, protect your family. And that goes for everybody listening, you know, stay safe, you know, stay out the way, be productive as much as you can, use your talents, use your, your creativity and, and stay positive during these times. Definitely. You know, and I just wanted to add to that to say, you know, in these times, just make sure that you're doing something for you. That's for everybody, man, woman, you know, whatever, do something for you. Do something that is just for you. Have some part of you that you can just, something that you can do during this that keeps you sane. You know, some type of project or something that you can put yourself into that you can see yourself in. And, you know, to piggyback off what you were saying, you know, stay safe. Don't unnecessarily put yourself at danger. You know, pray for everybody that's returning back to work and then going into mass spaces with people. Pray for our children. You know, and I look forward to, you know, being able to do this again, man. All right, man. You have a great night. I'll speak to you soon. All right. I'll talk to you later. Everybody out there, y'all take care. All right. Bye-bye.